Welcome back, everyone, to Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less. This voice is the voice of Misty Stinnett. That silence is the silence of Lisa Linky. Hello. Hello. And this is the podcast where we read and review a popular self-help book each week, and we share with you a comedic and critical and absolutely necessary summary and review of a popular self-help book. Our point and our goal and our aim is that in under an hour, you will know if the book is worth your time. If you want to dive deeper into it and get all of the things that we couldn't possibly cover in just an hour, or if you go, you know what? That book sounds like a nightmare and I'm going to stay far away. And also dichotomies are not cool. So maybe there's something in between. Do you know what I'm saying? Always question. So we also do on Tuesdays uh, a mini-sode, which we lovingly call the Weekly Beef, and it's where we cover anything and everything about self-help that is not a book. Those are some of my favorite episodes. They're not to be missed. They're shorter. They're sweeter. They're weirder. Get with it. Also, it is September 9th. We're timestamping the episodes because the world is changing so rapidly these days. And by the time this episode comes out, a whole month will have passed. Things could look very different. My God, I hope this heat wave is over. By then, let us know. Lisa is just, she got her wide eyes on and was like, Well, I mean, today it's 81, feels like 88, and it's a damn reprieve. It really is. We're here in Los Angeles recording. And also, this is an explicit podcast. To be clear, it's... 30 degrees cooler than it was three days ago. That was, I've never seen temperatures like that. Global warming is real. So we also cuss on this podcast. It's how we talk. Fuck yeah. And fuck yeah. Uh, self-help is very, it's very explicit. America, fuck yeah. Had Do you remember that movie? The motherfucking day. The fucking day, y'all. <laughs> anyway. T-shirt can. And with that. Lisa, what book are you bringing for us today? Misty, I am so excited to bring to you a book today. A book unlike any we've covered. Say more. Well, it's a book. (laughs) It has words and an author. Okay, here it is. It's Notoriously Dapper, How to Be a Modern Gentleman with Manners, Style, and Body Confidence by Kelvin Davis. Will you describe the cover for our uh, listeners? Okay, so it is, it's very pleasing to the eye. The cover is like a dark, I can't tell if it's black or charcoal gray. Charcoal. uh, uh, Across the Zoom screen. And it has a circle of a very, very dapper looking man in like a hat and a well-fitted suit and shoes. And like, he's kind of like buttoning that, that one button on his suit jacket. He looks very dapper. Yeah. So... This is the first book, I believe, that we've covered that is directed just towards men. Well, what about For the Love of Men? Was that, that was directed for all of us? Yeah, and it was written by a woman. And it was written by a woman. And I have to say, that's one of my favorite books I ever heard you review. It's written about toxic masculinity for society. Got it. This is for men by a man on how to be a gentleman a modern day gentleman i love this i am the very vision of a modern major general thank you 
Isn't that how that goes? Yes. I'm terrible with musicals. This is exciting. Yeah, this was produced. Published? <laughs> released. Thank you. Listen, pandemic brain is real. Oh, God. It's real. I could not remember the name of the town that my brother lived in last night. It's called Funville, USA. That's when I knew it was time to take his annex. <laughs> uh, and they've lived there since 2000. A cool 20 years. Yeah, could not remember the name. And watch, it's like Lisaville. <laughs> It was Lindenhurst, but I, I took my blood, my blood, my pulse and my blood ox, blood ox is fine, pulse ox is fine. Pulse was racing while I was reclining and I was like, oh, it's time to take a Xanax. Thank you. Okay. Published in 2017. And here's my one line for one liner for this book. Yeah. If you are a badass, we're written with sense, sensibility and kindness. Oh, shit. I love that you complimented the author while managing to throw shade at a wildly popular author. I'm here for this. But it also makes it sound like it's by Jane Austen, which it's not at all. But Sense and Sensibility is what just keeps coming to mind. I wouldn't have expected that, like, from the cover. I would have thought this was more about, like, etiquette and manners and how to sort of dress. But You're a Badass covers, like, finance and relationships and life goals. And so this does, too. Yeah. So... Paperback is $15.99, Kindle is $9.99, the Audible is $14.95, or the price of one credit, narrated by James Andrews. Uh, There'll be a link in our show notes to our bookshop link, which I think has it just a little bit more expensive, but that's because it's from Indie Bookshop. Bookshop Bookshop.org helps support small businesses. And it's 236 pages. Oh, not bad. I mean, that's an expensive paperback. $15.99? Damn. Yeah, I mean, but it's like, you can see there's like a lot of pictures. And, oh, I like that. Yeah. So about the author, this is from his website and Everypedia, which I learned is an offshoot of Wikipedia, mostly for like celebrities. I have never heard of that until this moment. I hadn't either. Okay. His website, also in show notes, is notoriouslydapper.com. So Kelvin Davis, born in 1987, is a fashion blogger turned model and author. He founded Notoriously Dapper, a body-positive menswear blog showcasing outfits to inspire men of all sizes to find confidence in their appearance and embrace who they are. Kelvin has been featured in top-ranked media sources such as The New York Times, Glamour Magazine, BuzzFeed, The Daily Dot, Dazed Magazine, The New York Post, and Huffington Post. His blogging career has allowed him to transition into mainstream media and become a model. He has modeled for brands such as Target, Gap, American Eagle, DXL, Chubby Shorts, and Jack Black Skincare. He did a nationally aired commercial with David Ortiz and DJ Khaled for DXL. DJ Khaled! <laughs> what? Another one! <laughs> he is the first male body positive fashion blogger and has been blogging since early 2013. He created his blog, Notoriously Dapper, and Instagram to empower plus-size men to love themselves. He began this journey after having a bad shopping experience where he was publicly body shamed. And this helped him create a space to display outfits to inspire men of all shapes and sizes to find confidence in their appearance. His contribution to body male positivity has led him to be the first plus size male model for American Eagle, Chubby Shorts, and Gap. His feature in international and uh, national advertisements has made him one of the most influential voices in the body positive and fashion community. He has been instrumental in pushing the fashion industry to be more inclusive of all body types and races. He is black. In February 2020, he shared his story with NIDA, which is the National Eating Disorder uh, Association, and Instagram for a socially conscious campaign titled Come As You Are, 
In this campaign, he has been praised for publicly speaking not only about body image, but also eating disorders in the male and African-American communities. Yes. In April 2019, he made history in joining plus-size supermodel Ashley Graham and comedian Sherry Shepard for an all-inclusive swimsuit campaign for the brand Swimsuits for All. The campaign, which featured a video commercial, made waves around the topic uh, of body positivity and body image. He and his fellow peers in the menswear industry were saluted by numerous media outlets for, quote, getting the men involved in body positivity. This book was nominated for the NAACP Image Awards and has been on the Amazon best-selling etiquette books list for two years. Wow. So there are 15 chapters um, plus an introduction. And here are the titles of the chapters. Chapter one, Gentlemen Redefined. Chapter two, gentleman gestures. Chapter three, loving yourself. Chapter four, benefits of being body confident. Chapter five, choosing to be great. Chapter six, the bro code. Chapter seven, the art of courtship. Chapter eight, modeling good behavior. Chapter nine, behavior at the workplace. Chapter 10, marriage, money, and morality. Mm. Chapter 11, first time fatherhood. Chapter 12, managing your time. Chapter 13, family affairs. Chapter 14, Infidelity, How to Prevent and Deal. Wow. Chapter 15, Love, Laugh, and Live Your Life. So the chapters are set up. They start off with a quote that he loves, then the meat of the content, a chock full of tons of personal anecdotes and true stories. And then most chapters end with lists or tips related to the content and then a few pictures from his blog. Oh, I love that. This is definitely a little self-help via memoir in that strain of things. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. I'm going to focus on a few chapters that are things we don't hear about or typically cover on this podcast. Great. Because we rarely read books that are dedicated solely to men. I don't think there are a ton of self-help books dedicated solely to men. No. And the ones that sort of are, like we were just talking about for the love of men, tend to be more towards society as a whole or like an academic work, something like that. Not just like, hey, guys, here's how to yeah. to show up in a, a beautiful way. Yeah. But overall, I thought this book was fantastic at normalizing things for men, especially after reading For Love of Men by Liz Plank, all about the to- about toxic masculinity, just that. Wonderful. This book was really refreshing. Like He talks about suffering from depression, about taking meds for anxiety, about the pressures of media images for men. Yeah. He also does a great job talking about why he became close friends with other men, not just what their friendships are about, but like how they developed and how their relationships grew to exist over time and how they're not close but they still get together. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's yeah. really refreshing and honest. And it isn't something that I've heard on a public scale with these intimate details. I've only heard this from my male friends in small group or one-on-one conversations. Yeah. And I think the first time that I heard about male eating disorders was like in college. Like it's just not something that we really talk about. And we talk about all the pressure on women to be like as small as possible and always look like you're never aging. But Something we don't talk about is like every model on the cover of Men's Health magazine is like has like an eight pack and they're ripped. And like, what is that pressure like to feel so huge and so cut and so hyper masculine? You know, it's like, yeah, it's got to be really tough. I'm excited to hear. And also, he's not just an influencer, he holds many jobs down at once, right? So his Instagram has almost 100,000 followers, but he also currently teaches middle school art. He coaches football. He maintains his blog. He's a model. He's a renaissance man. He is. He's married and he has two children. He's a notoriously dapper renaissance man. So he's a father as well. Wow. Amazing. So it's really interesting. I, I, 
I really liked this book. So I'm going to cover, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six of the chapters. Okay. Um, And kind of in brief, because a lot of them are, he uses, he does a great job of using anecdotes and stories. Mm-hmm. Um, But then I think in our, our questions afterwards, we can kind of dig into what's happening. Awesome. Can I ask you a question up front? Yeah. So this book, obviously, it's not written for me. <laughs> you know, it's not directed at me. Do you feel like this is a book that women would really enjoy as well? Or not non-male identifying persons? Let's get into it. Like, who is this book for, right? Mm-hmm. It's, for, it's clearly targeted towards men. Mm-hmm. But I also think women would benefit from reading this book, especially women who are single parents. Oh, wow. Okay. Especially to men, uh, to boys. Um, and I also think if you are somebody who didn't have a very prominent father figure in your life mm. or your father figure left before you maybe were finished developing i think uh, this would be helpful awesome because he speaks as like a friend and a father yeah and he passes down a lot of the lessons his father gave him so if if i were raising a boy i think i would feel lost you know mm-hmm. it's all i think it's always hardest raising the opposite gender of, of yourself because you have no experience sure and i i'm speaking just for myself here but i i also want to better understand perspectives other than mine so yeah i kind of just want to I'm, I'm not a single mother and i'm not raising boys at the moment and you know i still i'm already intrigued so that's great i think as young women um college women this would be great to read because he talks a lot about his time in college i think it just gives a different perspective as to what's portrayed out there in media that college age men and high school age men are portrayed by like 30 year olds you know oh right and that like they are written to be dramatic do you know what i mean so like here's a person who's saying like it's okay to be kind it's okay to be nice it's okay to not to be nice to somebody that you want to have nothing other than just the opportunity to be nice to them, you know, like, yeah, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, you never see that in movies. So I think that it's a nice reminder. Yeah. That's why I think if you had if you didn't have a father figure in your life, or they left before you were done fully forming, I think it might be nice to have this. Yeah, or you just weren't close with that person. Yeah. Um, Or they weren't somebody who offered up this kind of paternal advice. I think it might be nice to have this. Does that make sense? That's beautiful. I love that. So in the first chapter, he just defines what it means to be a modern day gentleman. So he says, what makes you a gentleman in the modern day is simply being thoughtful, aware, loving, understanding, tolerant, and kind. So he just gives six things. Fuck yeah. And then he gives examples of each in his own life and then lists them out at the end with the chapter with like more quantifiable examples of how they show up in the world around you how you see it play out from other people and, and yourself. So I like that he start off starts off by being like, it's this. It's this. I love that. That's the definition, yeah. Chapter two, he talks about gentleman gestures. And I want to talk about a specific section in this chapter. Gentleman gestures. Yeah. So he talks about how you need to be aware. Like being aware is very gentlemanly. And he mentions um, asking for help is not a weakness. Help is make, makes a girl go around the girl go around makes the world go around <laughs> i actually think asking for help is one of the bravest things you can do yeah as we learned from the boy the mole the fox and the horse yes which i yeah. love that episode so he talks about this um instance where he was grocery shopping and he sees uh, he w- 
there were like people were just cutting in front of people at the grocery store. And he was like, what is going on? And he got to checkout and he was telling that he noticed that he said to the cashier, like, I noticed that everybody is really focused on their shopping. And he was mm-hmm. like, yeah, we call it the power hour because people are here to power through their shopping and like in a fun way. And he was like, oh, this guy was really nice. And then this gentleman, young gentleman came up to start bagging my groceries and had the biggest smile and was so kind. We talked about football and then he offered to carry my groceries out, but he really like brightened my day. And then in the parking lot, I saw a young pregnant woman who also had two like small children trying to load the groceries in her car and she dropped her keys. And he's like, Mm. I was far away, but there was another man walking by and he said, oh, miss, you dropped your keys. And he was like, now what? Why couldn't that man bend down to pick up the keys for her? Yeah. If you're going to go to the effort of saying it. Yeah. He said, I don't know what his reasoning was, but I do know if he had just picked up the keys for her, it would have helped her a great deal. And then this is, this is the part I want to read to you and talk about. He said, it got me thinking back to when I would make such gestures and people thought I was flirting with them. Yes, being nice has become so uncommon that some people mistake it for flirtation. I can name countless times that I have complimented someone and they replied, I have a boyfriend. He says, huh, Mm. okay, thanks for the memo. I have no interest in you whatsoever and I apologize for liking your floral dress. (laughs) Believe it or not, ladies, a, a man can admire something about you without wanting to have sex with you, be with you, or even have ill intentions. Mm-hmm. When someone compliments the aesthetics of a building, no one says, well, the building isn't interested in you, mm. which made me laugh. It's an irrelevant remark to something innocent and genuine. I'm simply saying, don't take a compliment solely as someone's way of being attracted to you. A lot of guys like myself who like art and fashion and have a creative mind don't compliment you to hit on you. Take it as a nice, thoughtful comment, say thank you, and keep moving. And then he says, I think many men lack gentlemanly gestures. One, people take it the wrong way. And two, they were never taught how to make such gestures. And here, I did want to just have a conversation with you because I feel like, to me, this section is really lacking a little bit of awareness. (laughs) It's a little bit ungentlemanly in that sense. Interesting. Yeah, I was just about to say it also I really hope he gets more into the specifics of the the niceties, because we do as women, uh, or people who identify as women, we do have to navigate so many minefields throughout the day. There is a reason that women are on edge and immediately say, well, I have a boyfriend. It's not that we're like, oh, everyone's trying to hit on us. It's that it's happened so many times. We'd rather head it off at the pass. And there's a difference between someone going, wow, you look really beautiful this morning versus I love the color of that jacket. Do you know what I mean? They're two totally different things. If you're complimenting an article of someone's clothing and you say like, wow, that floral dress is so beautifully made versus I love the way that dress hangs on you. See the difference in those compliments? So I really hope that he got into the specifics and I'm actually invoking an HR seminar that I had (laughs) at a previous company where it's like, if you're going to compliment someone, compliment something specific. Wow. I love your red glasses instead of that person's body, right? Wow. Your eyes really pop in those red glasses. One could feel more sexualized than the other. So I do hope that he offers more specifics and says, Hey, I know that women get hit on and catcalled against their will, you know, all the time. And that's why they might be feeling particularly defensive when someone does something nice. But we can start to normalize this if we stop approaching women in a highly sexualized way the majority of the time. 
Does he do that? He doesn't. But what he does do is say, he does make a comment that it's disheartening that being kind is now linked to hitting on someone because people have stopped truly just being kind. Yes. Giving a gift without any attachments or like ill ill intentions. Absolutely. Yeah. So this piece disappointed me a little bit. um, But I do understand. I think what he's trying to do is say it's to be a gentleman means to be kind, to compliment without any any reciprocity that's right or any intentions other than to just simply be kind i love that and i think his example is to ward off because i don't know what it's like to be somebody who identifies as a man yeah i think maybe his perspective is to ward off the people who say i did that once and she you know shamed me for coming on to her so i don't do that anymore Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm assuming the best that it's coming from that intention and that reading it from my lens, my hermeneutical lens. Oh, thank you. Nailed it. Thank you. Means that it kind of rubbed me a little bit the wrong way. Yeah, I, I think that is so funny. That's the first chapter you're covering, but it really does feel like there's a lot of nuances to be explored. Yeah. 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 So I wanted to talk about that with you. Thank you. But I do think that in a sense, yeah, this book is not for me. <laughs> right. And you could, I mean, it it does go both ways. Like if I were to say to a gentleman in the street, wow, your jacket is amazing. And I'm just trying to be nice. He might go, well, hey, thank you so much. Do you want to grab a coffee after that? You know, like it's tricky. I do think we should all continue to be kind and try to just be kind. I do. I can't tell you the number of times a guy has taken it as me coming on to him when I say your ass looks fantastic in those pants. And I wish that I could just press my face up on it. I would like to chew on it. It is a battle every day. Yeah. It's like, I'm just telling you what I'm feeling. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Not to make light of sexual harassment because it's not cool, but we are comedians and we can't help ourselves. Okay. Thank you, Bay. Um, That was chapter two, Gentleman Gestures. I'm skipping to chapter eight, Modeling Good Behavior, because I loved this chapter. So he talks about how behavior is often our only chance to let people know like who we are. You have to make a first impression. He says, modeling good behavior in various circumstances in life will make you a more versatile gentleman, the kind of gentleman who can move with poise in a room full of vultures. And I guess I just really appreciate this because he's so positive throughout the whole book. He's big and like, it's positive, positive, positive. But he doesn't ignore the fact that there are shitty situations and that sometimes it's really tough. Yeah. So... This chapter I love because he he starts with style. So he said, and also this is his wheelhouse. He says, your clothes make the first impression. And he gives advice on how to buy your first suit. Ooh. And the staple wardrobe he thinks every man should have. And I was like, I have seen so many articles, like the eight basic pieces every woman must have, Thank right? You. Like how many times have you read that article? Your classic capsule. It'll never go to sell. You have a little black dress. You have a power blazer. You have a white button down. <laughs> Do and then you're I trying mean? to be Parisian wherever you are. And you have a junk drawer filled with like old body parts. And you're just like, what's happening? It's I'm referencing so an old episode called How to Be Parisian Wherever You Are. I'll link to it in show notes. It is so much fun and garbage. And we couldn't tell if it was a joke. And it's wildly delightful. Oh, <laughs> but He talks about opportunities to model behavior at school, at work, through conversation. He gives tips on body language. He shares that he talks with a stutter and how he manages that as well as how he embraces it. He doesn't hide it. And he works yeah, and he works hard not to feel shame. Great. And um 
He talks about how his professionalism got him rehired as a model, even though he'd never modeled before. Cool. So like how he carried himself and his behavior made them want to work with him. Amazing. Um, he made friends on the shoot. They were shooting. They did a takeoff of Victoria's Secret Angels for these like chubby swimwear. So these men are chubby shorts. So they're wearing shorts. They're shirtless. And then they have on angel wings. And they were outside in the winter in D.C. He's oh like, it was God. so cold. <laughs> but I did not complain. We had right? a great time. And they and now I've been to all these places like Palm Springs and all these different places where Warm they invite places. me back. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, he also talks about how our behavior, how about our behavior can influence others. And so he has this great story about how when he was modeling for New York Fashion Week men's and he had the chance to meet Lil Yachty. They were on um, Nautica. It was on a boat and, it, and he was dressed head to toe and he was like the perfect brand ambassador for them. Great. And... He asked him to record a message for his middle school students because he's like, my middle school students love you. And he's like, I feel really disappointed that a lot of time their role models are people who rap about murder and like, you mm. know, disrespecting women. And yeah. and here's somebody that they looked up to. And he's like, when he learned that I was a model and a middle school teacher, he was really impressed. And so he recorded a message and he was like, he could have said anything he wanted, but he was so genuine and so kind and was like, you kids are doing great. Stay in school. Your teacher is amazing. He's here on a boat with me. Like he looks incredible. Like he was like, his behavior influenced them. When he showed it to them in class, they all were like, ah, like they went nuts. Um, it was I super bet. exciting for them. Yeah. And he's like, I was really grateful that he took the time to send a positive message to my students. Yeah, that's lovely. And then lastly, he talks about how he's gotten everyone around him, including colleagues at every job he's had, to use the word strong when they refer to anything positive. It's as a positive affirmation, as a descriptor, as a state of being. So like, how are you? You know, I feel good. Strong. I'm going to go get tacos after work. Strong. Um, <laughs> like, I love uh, that. And he says, yeah. So. Bottom line, he says, be the guy that everybody wants to hire, promote, and be around with unforgettable, not unforgivable behavior. That's beautiful. Then this chapter continues. It goes into the 20 things every man should know about weddings and style. He, he talks about how to be a conscientious wedding guest from tip to tail in such lovely fashion. I loved it. I loved it. He talks about how to treat your plus one, like who to bring as your plus one. I he, he said, every person should read this book for this section. Male, I was going to say, I'm so, I'm so intrigued. And also something as I have come, you know, in the last five to seven years in the age range where a bunch of my friends are getting married, I see over and over again that this stereotype, and it's not true for all couples, but where the the groom is just sort of along for the ride. Like we'll give some input on the wedding or we'll, the, the bride will say, I've chosen these two flower arrangements, pick the one you like better. And that's as much input as they get. So I love that he is covering, here's how to attend a wedding. I'm assuming he also has some things for if you're throwing a wedding or planning a wedding. He does it. It's really oh. just for being a wedding guest from tip to tail. Cause that's for most men. That's the, I mean, hopefully their first wedding isn't their own wedding. Thank like you. hopefully they've had a chance and he's from South Carolina. Right. So he has a lot of like Southern gentlemen, you know, conscientious courteousness mm -hmm. kind of built into him. Got it. But, you know, just like little things from like, here's how to take care of your plus one, you know, I love that. Uh, and make sure you speak to the parents of the bride 
Yeah. Because they've thrown the shindig. Don't stay too long, you know, unless they want to talk more, but thank them and tell them, you know, what a great event this was. Like, yeah. Just little things that if you had never had anybody tell you and you didn't know how weddings worked, how would you know? You know exactly. what I mean? Yes, it's beautiful. And I also think once you are thinking along those lines, like say you read the section, you can apply it to anything. Anytime yes. someone has thrown a friend's birthday party, yes. anytime, um, uh, you know, your boss has put on a holiday party, it really goes because you never know what someone's uh, love language is. And especially if it's words of affirmation, if you just go over and you say, hey, thank you for creating this beautiful experience. I know all the work that went into it. And I know there's a lot more that I don't know that went into it. It goes so far in making people feel valued and like it was worth it. It's lovely. It really does. Yeah. And so then, then he goes into like, these are the staple items in a man's wardrobe. And Having read all those articles that we talked about, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a wonderful base and excellent detail. He really nails it. Oxford's not brogues. Thank you. Thank you. Chapter nine, behavior in the workplace. And I oh, also shit. love this chapter. The quote at the beginning is from his dad. He says, either I can teach you how to behave or life can. It's your choice. Oh, shit. <laughs> that would screw the shit out of me. <laughs> okay. So yes, please. Um, I know, right? So this chapter is all about how to behave at work um, and to be a gentleman, excuse me, at work. It's great. And I'm going to read the seven basics, the list at the end of the chapter, um, and just the first sentence of these, because they're kind of little paragraphs, just so you get a sense of what uh, the chapters that have these ends, like what it's about. So it's a recap, seven basics about behavior in the workplace. Number one, show up to work on time. Number two, dress professionally. Number three, mind your own business, worry about yourself and do your job. Number four, (laughs) always have respect for others despite their age or how long they've been working there. Number five, be a team player. Number six, follow the rules and regulations at your job. Number seven, just be fucking nice. Um, (laughs) And again, there's like paragraphs on each one of those. But I just love that it's like, you know, when I first started working at my first corporate job before that, I I was like, I have no skills. I don't know what to do. And my dad was like, honey, 90% of being good at a job is showing up. Or like 70% of being good at your job is showing up and 90% is showing up on time. And I was like, that's not true. You don't know what you're talking about. And he was like, I do. And that's mostly true. Like being a, but it baked in that is being a dependable person who's, you know, reliable and is, it takes their own initiative to make things happen, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I know this is, he's already talked about being kind and doing things because that's the right thing to do and not for reciprocity. But the flip side of this is that people do take notice. They take notice of who's in the office consistently, who makes them feel good. When you make someone else feel respected and heard, even if you are the 19-year-old intern and it's your first time ever being in a an office space like that, they do go, oh my gosh, I just love that guy. Oh, he's so great. You know, like you do, it does matter. Even if it's a slow burn, it does get noticed. Okay. So chapter 10, marriage, money, and morality. Misty, you would love this chapter. I want a lot of marriage, a lot of money, and just a little morality. 
That's math. No, 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 no. That's not our Misty, and we know it. LLLs know that. (laughs) This Misty would love this chapter. He shares the story of his wedding in detail and then goes into more detail because he mentions um, earlier in the book about how they were two people after graduating with tons of student loans and and working like multiple jobs to stay afloat with a baby. They got pregnant and... um, before they graduated, she graduated nine months pregnant with her getting her diploma. Oh my God. So they were, they were babies. They were babies ha- having a baby. And then like he was working three jobs. He was a student teacher, also a food runner at night, mm-hmm. and then also did another job on the weekend. And she like was a Spanish tutor and taught swim classes and did other stuff like while trying to care for this baby. Right. Holy shit. But they did it. And he specifically says, Live within your means. Thank you. Yeah. He says, don't buy a house, a car, or clothing that you can't afford. Mm-hmm. And I yep. said, Jen Sincero, eat that. Th- yes, because Jen Sincero was like, if you're thinking about buying a used Corolla, just go ahead and buy the Audi because it will force you to level up and you will have to find a way to pay for that car. And can you imagine... If people took that advice right before the fucking pandemic hit, and now they're going, oh my God, I've got an Audi payment. If that were true, that the repossession industry would not exist. Oh, and we'd all be driving amazing cars, and Audi is a lovely car. And then we'd Thank all you. be like living our, our best lives. But like, I, I have to say this is, and this is what, um, you read this amazing article about a fuck off fund. I think it was the last minisode. Um, and she talks about how, you know, many people make the mistake of, I'm going to buy the car that makes me look as successful as I want to feel. Or I'm here. I got this job. I've earned it. Now I deserve the car that matches the job. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to like, but, but Dave Ramsey talks about in the total money makeover that the truth is most millionaires like actual millionaires in the United States drive a two or three year old used car that they like bought in cash because they saved up for it. So they're most of them are driving like a 2016 Camry, you know, (laughs) and that's not what Mm -hmm. we think about when we think we think like you've got to have this flashy thing. So that's great to hear. Yeah, he really was just like, you don't need a $1,200 timepiece. You need something that tells time. Yeah. And your phone probably does. <laughs> yeah. You can get a watch at Target for like $15. Thank you. Thank you. The last chapter I'm covering is chapter 13, Family Affairs. So this is all about his family. He goes into each individual member of his family and the lessons that they've taught him and how they've shaped him to become the man that he is. Um, he gracefully moves into systemic racism by explaining how he was profiled one day and pulled over. He was driving in his car on his way home from an interview. And as we know, he dresses very dapper. So he's in like a pink shirt, a green bow tie, a blazer. Love it. He's in his car and he gets pulled over by policemen. And so he called his father after he gave them his insurance or his um, license and registration. Because his Mm -hmm. father said, if you ever get pulled over by the police, call me. And he's like, I'm a block away from home. I got pulled over. And he said, okay, ask them why they pulled you over. And then they come back and they were like, can we see your proof of insurance? And he he couldn't find it. And he said, can I show you the electronic version on my phone? And they were like, no. And he said, why did you pull me over? And they said, well, there's been some burglaries in the neighborhood. So we're looking for suspicious activity. Can you step out of the car? And he's like, 
how am I suspicious? I'm literally wearing a pink shirt with a green bow tie. I'm on my way back Going from my interview. Going the speed limit in the car that I bought mm-hmm. within my means. And they were like, they gave him a ticket for not having proof of insurance, even though he offered the... And so his dad was like, I'm going to help you fill out all the forms to get the ticket removed. And of course, it didn't work. But he, he kind of touches on it that way. And he's like... Listen, I know about, uh, you know, I stay positive, but I know about racism and homophobia. My sister is gay. Like, he talks mm-hmm. about how his family had to come to um, accept that. It was difficult at first and everything. But basically, this whole chapter is about, like, and he references in the intro, he's like, I grew up in a white suburb where I was told I didn't dress black and I, I acted white and it was very confusing for me. But that really kind of disappeared until this chapter this family affairs chapter and then he kind of brings it back so i appreciated him putting context about his lived experience as a black man in south carolina wow but i also appreciated that i guess in his approach like that is irrelevant when it comes to being gentlemanly that was my next question was does he tie that back into like even when these wildly unfair experiences happen to you this is how to compose yourself. He doesn't really talk about it in that sense. But, okay. I, you know, he does He does talk about it here and there. Like when he talks about um, the bro code, the chapter about friend, male friendships, one of his longest friends is from college. And when he moved in, he showed up in that dorm room and his roommate had a Confederate flag and bottles of Jack Daniels. No. Oh, and the guy, but he's like, immediately he was super friendly. And so I just, you know. He's like, but then like one day I came back and there was an American flag instead of Confederate flag. And I asked him and he said, I saw the way your face looked when you showed up and I didn't want you to feel that way. And like when they showed up, he said to his mom, he was like, I don't know. And his mom was like, he's a nice boy. And he probably just, you know, like you are just going to assume the best, Um, which must have been terrifying for her as a mother. But yeah, and you have to do so much extra mental work to, to try and like assume positive intent. He did. So he said, we be- we became like great friends and he was there for me. He's the one who told me that my college girlfriend was cheating on me and like oh, helped no. me through that. And then, you know, he was like, but he also showed what a gentleman he was because he was aware of my feelings and changed mm-hmm. so that I felt more comfortable. So like, there's a little bit of tiptoeing around that, right? Mm-hmm. And again, this was in 20, published in 2017, so probably written in 2016. I wonder... Mm-hmm what he might want to say. Yeah, because the conversations really come to the forefront in a powerful way. It's also still his friend of probably like, (laughs) you know, 10 years now. Like Mm -hmm. he may not want to change the way he speaks about it. Right. Because he has such loving, deep connection with his friend. But anyway, that those are things I'm covering um, about Notoriously Dapper, How to Be a Modern Gentleman with Manner, Style, and Body Confidence by Kelvin Davis. Lisa, thank you so much. I already want to read this book. Yeah, you can borrow mine. So did this book need to be written? I think it did. I really love this idea of a modern gentleman because like antiquated gentlemen, anything that you read prior to this century, this millennium, it's going to be misogynistic and racist. Like it's going to be baked in. Toxic masculinity and not super helpful. It did. And this very like open and very honest and normalizing way of talking about anxiety and taking meds and, mm-hmm. you know, having deep friendships with men that are built on like experience and being honest. And, you know, I, I just loved it. I just thought it was great. 
I love that so much. And we already covered if we feel the author missed anything and who we would buy this book for at the beginning. So here's a question we always ask that I'm very curious about this book. (laughs) Did you try to put anything into practice from this book? Well, it's so interesting. I, um, you know, here's what it, it really helped. So I have over the past, I would say four or five years now, I've really been learning a lot about body positivity yeah. and that movement overall. But to hear about it from a male perspective was super helpful. It's definitely missing in the overall scheme of things. Absolutely. So that was interesting to hear from his perspective. And I think what it did was help me kind of remove a little bit of the patriarchal aspect of it. I mean, it's still baked in there for sure. Yeah. And I will say that men have more freedom to have and exist the body that they have without critique. Absolutely. But it is helpful to know that that is not true 100% of the time. Yeah. And that we're all victims of patriarchy. Yes. Everybody is suffering. We are all missing out on parts of ourselves unless we go out and actively fight to reclaim those things and unlearn. Yeah. What we what was steeped into us from a young age. That's beautiful, Lise. Thanks, ma'am. Do you have any homework for me? I don't. Um, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I mean, it would feel weird to ask you to be a modern gentleman. You know, and I do just want to acknowledge, too, that this is very gender. Thank you. This is very yeah. gendered in its own nature. Um, and like heteronormative, it sounds like a little bit. It is heteronormative, although I don't think that it, I don't think that his examples are meant to be projected on anyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, being that his sister is gay, he does accept everybody. I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it's, um, I think it's if you identify as male and you mm-hmm. would like to be more gentlemanly, this is a great book for you. Mm-hmm. And we talked about earlier who else this would be great for. Yeah. But neither that you are identify as male or would like to be more gentlemanly, I'm not going to assign you any homework. Thank you. Thank you so much. I will buy the uh, 15 wardrobe essentials. Thank you. For a dapper, a notoriously dapper gentleman. And I think just doing a, a gut check, I'm feeling really uplifted just by the few bits that you've shared of this book, because it feels like the overall point of view is of support. Like, how can we... Yes. You know, the author is a gentleman and people like him show up to support those around them, show up fully to be aware, to take care of those around them. And I think if all of us are having that point of view, however you identify, if we're all going, how can I support the people around me, take care of the people around me and show up in a kind and consistent way? That just feels really wholehearted to me. Yeah. And it feels it feels like, oh, awesome. We're all being allies and partners to each other. And that feels really nice. Yeah. He he feels very authentic, which I appreciate. God, I love that so much. This definitely was not ghostwritten. So anything that comes off the page definitely feels super authentic. Lisa, thank you for that amazing review. Everybody, let us know what you thought. Send us pictures of you in your most dapper outfits at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah, or if you have a, a male friend who is not into self-help or you feel like might enjoy, please share this episode and, and see it or buy them this book and see what they think about it. Yeah, support the author. Absolutely. And with that, everybody... Life, Life is, is abundant. abundant. Bye. Bye-bye.
Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less, was produced by Misty Stinnett, Lisa Linky, and Matt Sav. Our theme song was also written by Matt Sav. He's amazing. <laughs> do you want to get in touch? You do. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And you know you can also find us on the social medias. Instagram at gohelpyourselfpodcast. Twitter at Podcast, Or check out our website, gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. And if you liked our podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes to help other people discover our show. It's really the least you can do. And why don't you tell all of your friends? Bye!